Hello, and welcome back to this episode of Kyle's Internal Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be covering Babylon Squared. We're up to the final three episodes of season one. This is exciting. And as I mentioned uh, uh, last week, that uh, we have reached Babylon 5's hot streak. Uh, it's what I refer to it, uh, because this, like these are some really fantastic episodes leading into the season finale. And then when season two starts, it, get, it really picks up, gets really good, uh, and it starts becoming a better show overall. Not that it was a bad show, but it's noticeable lack of budget and uh, other issues uh, they figure out workarounds around the time of uh, mid-season 2 uh, to uh, early uh, season 3 and at that point it really becomes the show that I know uh, and, it, and it becomes the show that, uh, that, that has won the hearts of many, many fans for nearly 30 years. And uh, this, this is the, the, the culmination of that right here, is that Babylon Squared is such a continuity-heavy episode. It is such an uh, important episode to the overall spanning story that is the five-year arc of Babylon 5. I mean, this episode... If watched by itself, I remember when I first watched it, uh, way back in, uh, you know, you know, way back when I was first watching Babylon 5, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you're just watching it, like, with no context, like, even, like, even with the previous episodes, you know who these characters are, but there's so much uh important stuff that you don't really notice because it won't become important until later, I mean, this it's not really a spoiler when I say this will be picked back up again. Like, it's very clearly a setup for a story. We've been talking about the disappearance of Babylon 4 for so long, and now we're finally getting some answers to the questions while also asking more questions and then leaving answers to other questions ambiguous, and uh, we will not all come together until Season 3 in the two-part episode, War Without End. Th this is the culmination of so many ideas, but it's also a story that, when taken by itself, doesn't make a whole lot of sense and doesn't really work by itself. In order to really get the full experience of this episode, you have to experience it along with War Without End. Uh, and uh, some of the major important plot points of uh, of, of the five seasons. So it's, it's kind of a weird episode to talk about because there's so much in this that is not answered and will not be answered for another two seasons, and it's an episode that is really good when taken into the context of adventural stuff. When p placed by itself, it becomes... An issue because it doesn't it doesn't really answer its questions correctly it uh, and it honestly does not stand well on its own if this was just a single one and done episode with no context in, in the next two seasons it would suffer I think a lot of people like this episode because of its connection to war without end and its connection to everything that is gonna go on for the next five seasons um, taken by itself uh, I don't think it's as good uh, as we think it is. It does have issues, um, mainly in uh, some of the, the the clunky dialogue and some of the higher concepts he's trying to convey 
require that kind of dialogue, but it can be done much better, and the actors don't really deliver it the way I think it should. They will get better at that as time goes on. There's also just the fact that the story doesn't really stand out on its own. We know that Babylon 4 is unstuck in time, but the it it's it, it's the problem it is inherently the issue with serialized storytelling but it's also the strength of serialized storytelling the problem with serialized storytelling is if you take one one bit out of the serial it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's so much informed of what comes before and informs so much of what comes after you take uh, and you take a standalone story and it works just fine, or you place it inside a serial and it should work fine as long as you incorporate enough elements to make it feel natural that it's a standalone piece within a serialized narrative. But the strength of serialized narratives is that everything matters. So if we mention that A is A, but in this other in this other episode A is actually B, that contradicts what was said before which means that ultimately your serialized story doesn't really line up and doesn't really matter whereas in the you know in good serialized stories like babylon 5 a is a and will remain a throughout all uh, all, all all five seasons your perception of a your your perception of what a is may change but a is still a there are several characters in this where our perceptions will change based on their arcs and their growth. They will still remain themselves and they'll still remain true to themselves, but our perceptions of them will inherently change because of the story that they are involved in and the story being told about them. That is the strength of serialized stories, but it's also the flaw because if you take so you, you take a bit out of the grander whole it suffers because it cannot stand on its own legs. There are certain episodes of, of serialized narratives where that works, the certain bits of serialized narratives where you can do that. Um, there are episodes of Babylon 5 where you can do that. I don't think Babylon Squared is one of those, and I think it suffers from it for it because of that. It's a really good episode, but it ultimately suffers because of, of the nature of this is a quasi-serialized story in season one, uh, but is mostly standalone up until a certain point, uh, it's, it's suffering as a result. And I think TV's inherent inexperience with serialized narratives, at least American television, uh, is probably what causes it to suffer. I think that you could easily rewrite this in a way that would feel more organic as a standalone episode while also telling this, the bit of the serialized narrative that we need uh, so that it can stand on its own. Um, so it's sort of the pros and cons of serialized t storytelling. Um, I love serialized storytelling, as I've mentioned several, several times, but the, the that is a flaw within the serialized storytelling medium. Um, everything has pros and cons. Nothing is perfect. Um, and I think this, this episode is really a case study as to the issues with serialized storytelling, but also why serialized storytelling is important and grand and wonderful. Uh, let me know what you guys think, because I, I'm interested in seeing, you know, is the, the viewership of this series watching B5 for the first time? Or are they uh, having, or have they seen all of Babylon 5 uh, before? And what is your take on, especially if you've never seen 
uh, Babylon 5 before. What is your take on Babylon Squared? Because it is so continuity heavy with things that will come into the uh, come from the future um, that I don't know if it stands on its own. I remember being a bit perplexed when I first watched it, and I know other other people who I've talked to have watched Babylon 5. Uh, they, they were all a bit like, I'm not sure about this episode. And then when they get to War Without End in Season 3, they're like, oh, this makes perfect sense. And now it works. And if you watch them all in one go, which I have before, it works wonderfully. But that is the issue. Is that I don't know if this episode really works as a standalone. It's still an amazing episode, but I don't think it really works as it as standalone, especially since we're not going to get these answers for two more years, two more seasons. Anyway, um, I think the, the this episode is uh, pretty good with uh, its character focus. Um, we've had a lot of establishment of particular characters and particular relationships, and now we're starting to really see that congeal, and they, they feel like real people. Uh, every member of the crew of Babylon 5 feels like real people. Um, that's something I've always talked about when I talk about Babylon 5, is that these are your friends, but you also don't know them, but you know them. They are fictional characters you care a great deal about. And uh, some of them will make mistakes, and you'll feel bad for the mistakes they make. You will cheer at their triumphs. You will cry along with them. You will uh, cheer. You will laugh. You will you will applaud them for everything that they do. But uh, it, it, it has taken us time to establish these characters and their relationships with each other and their relationship with their audience. Now that these characters are fully formed and are now uh, going through their arcs, um, we're really seeing that here. I mean, the opening scene, fantastic scene, by the way, of Ivanova, uh, as previously established, she has a hard time getting to sleep when it's dark outside, and as Sinclair said in Science Importance, but isn't it always dark? You know, it's space. And she's like, I know, believe me, I know. And, and then she's really tired here, and she, and she ends up, uh, Sinclair ends up tricking her into falling asleep at the breakfast table to play a prank on her. So it, it's like a really nice character beat of showing A, she hates mornings, which I perfectly agree with her. I'm a night owl, uh, and uh, it also shows the friendship that is between Garibaldi, Ivanova, and Sinclair. Um, because while the preface prank where they pretend like she's fallen asleep and is late to her duties and hasn't had a chance to eat, um, e while you can read that as mean-spirited, it's not. It's done very playfully, and as someone who's had friends who are like that, who love to play pranks and like to play jokes with you, that is very similar to things that they would do. That is just what friends do when they're very, very close to each other. Um, you, you make fun of each other and you play pranks on each other, because you care about each other, and that's one of your best ways to show that you care. Um, so, uh, it's really nice scene, but it also is just a nice, uh, fulfilling moment of character relationships because we have gotten to know these characters so well. We now invested in their friendship, and uh, I mean, even the scene in the 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 two hour shuttle ride between Babylon Five and Babylon Four. Um, between Garibaldi and Sinclair where they're having to pass the time and, you know, uh, Garibaldi's like, zip them fasten or fasten them zip? Uh, it's 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 a odd question, but it's a, it's a conversation that friends would have. Um, 
in it really shows that these guys are friends uh and right now they're having to pass the time it's not all work and no play um they are uh, they take their job seriously but at the end of the day they are friends and they're going to take jabs at each other and they're going to have a good time because they're at work together and it's it's tiring being uh, serious uh, all the time, especially considering how important Babylon 5 is to the galactic spectrum. So sometimes you just need to lighten the mood. Uh, it's it's a nice, it's just really nice showing how these characters interact. But in addition to that, the flash forward and the flash back um, that happens in this episode. Um, so first we get a flash forward uh, to uh, a some sort of future uh, battle in which uh, Garibaldi uh, willingly sacrifices himself to get Sinclair out of Babylon 5 for whatever reason. Now, we we are not supposed to know what's going on. I know what's going on, and I know what, what this, that is connected to. Um, but it's uh, it's a nice little deal reminding you, not only are these guys genuinely friends, but they do genuinely care about each other. Because Sinclair doesn't want to leave Garibaldi in the middle of this firefight, in which Garibaldi's most likely going to die. But Garibaldi finally, uh, finally has figured out that he's going to go out in a blaze of glory and give himself to the good cause, which is something that he's struggled with because he used to, you know, uh, in order to be the person he was, he sometimes had to... Uh, do bad things. I mean, he's had a gray morality since the very beginning. We've talked about this. So uh, now he has the chance to redeem himself by going out doing the right thing. Uh, and Sinclair doesn't want to leave his friend, but Sinclair is too important, so Garibaldi is forcing him out. And it's a nice little moment. It also, it, it does, it works twofold. Really reinforcing their friendship while also working as a uh, as a foreshadowing of things to come and uh, potential events and gets you questioning what's going to happen, where is this going, this is intriguing. Because th this episode is ultimately about setting up mystery. Um, it answers a couple mysteries, like what the hell happened to Babylon 4? We know that it got unstuck in time. How, why, doesn't really matter right now. We're going to find out later. Um, but it also is setting up new mysteries. Um, and uh, the flashback is connecting to something we saw last episode where we find out about Lise Hampton, who was this woman that Garibaldi was involved with uh, and potentially was going to marry, and uh, he ends up agreeing to the job on Babylon 5 with Sinclair, uh, and she gives him an ultimatum. It's me or him, basically, because Garibaldi's trying to wipe away the past five years and make amends for his mistakes, but as Lise correctly says i'm part of that five years you know you have a choice you can you can wipe away your mistakes with me or with him it's, you know uh it's perfectly within her rights it makes sense because she's got a life on mars why would she want to leave it um and and we see that as we hinted at the last episode he's not really over her he, he she's now part of those mistakes that he wants to fix and instead of wiping that mistake away, he wants to get back in contact with her. And now, and now she's pregnant and married to some other guy, and she, and she doesn't is no longer part of his life and never will be. And that bothers him because he thinks he's made a mistake. He thought he could genuinely make it work with her. Um, and so, you know, it would be nice for him to have a happy ending, maybe. 
and, and so it really shows what these characters are thinking about. You know, uh, Sinclair is thinking about the potential uh, issues uh, of the future now that he's figured out that Babylon 4 is unstuck in time. Uh, and that flash forward shows him this this impending doom. Meanwhile, Garibaldi is thinking about the past, which is uh, his mistakes in trying to make amends for him. And that feeds into something that is uh, that is a thing, is that while Babylon 4, we get some answers about Babylon 4 through Zathras and through uh, the appearances of The One, we don't really know how Babylon 4 came to be unstuck in time and we don't really know where it's going uh it could be the future it could be the past uh now i have notes about that in the spoiler section but i'll get there when i get there and zathras says that it's a uh base of operations in a war uh and as sinclair says you know the babylon project was formed to create the peace not enforce the peace you know so it's going to fulfill babylon 4 is going to fulfill its mission just in a way no one expected it would um, and it, it, it's, uh, it's very interesting, but it also is left ambiguous past future. Uh, we see examples of both. So it, it, it leads that doubt in your mind. Um, the, the entire Dolin side of the story where she meets with the great council and she is, uh, she, uh, and she is told, hey, we want you to be the speaker of the Great Council, and she realizes that she will have to devote her entire time to the Great Council and give up her position as the ambassador of the Membari government to Babylon 5. Uh, she is resistant to this, and this this is ultimately one of the big things about the Membari culture. It's the adherence to tradition and the calling of the heart. Those are two big tenets of, of Membari culture, but... Uh, they weigh tradition over the needs of your heart. So uh, no one is supposed to resist the calling. No one turns down the calling. So Delenn turns down the calling because her the calling of her heart, not the calling of her tradition, tells her she has to remain on Babylon 5. And we get this ambiguously uh, mentioned prophecy. We don't really know what it is. It's left vague, vague enough um and the that the humans are important to something that's going on uh, as hinted at before with the entire uh Sinclair storyline that has been evolving uh, over the course of the past several episodes that um obviously she's there for a reason and we know that she's very inherent to the religious scripture and the way she sees things and we know that great council uh is resistant to the uh to the prophecy as they mentioned you know it could be said to be another prophecies are vague they even talk about that um it, so there's a very clear line of this is tradition we uphold tradition uh versus what what we were to, what we should be doing ultimately that is the divide between the membari casts i mean it, it's it's rather hypocritical of them to talk about how uh, the humans are so divided. Uh, meanwhile, they're so divided that the warrior caste, the religious caste, and the worker caste do not see eye to eye on every issue, which is why they have the Great Council in the first place, is so that they each have an equal voice in the saying of the, of the governance. Uh, but they do not all see eye to eye, uh, as represented by Delin refusing to have the speaker role and being kicked off the Great Council. So, 
she she is forgoing tradition and forgoing everything the Minbari stand for because she's doing what she believes is right because Valen had this old prophecy about the humans. Uh, she's she's upholding her religion when others balk at it. Um, the the Minbari have become so stagnant in their way they do things, so traditional, so uh, so set in their ways they cannot look at anything else and they cannot see. Uh, they cannot see uh, what is plainly in front of them, their own issues, their own problems that will eventually need to be solved. They're mistaking the stars reflected in the pond for the sky. I will go ahead and get into spoilers real quick, um, because while this is an important episode and an amazing episode, I think, ultimately, I can't really say much because uh, it's really part one of three, but we won't get that th the, the, the other two parts until... Uh, two seasons from now, so I'll probably go more in depth and more without end. So spoilers, I'm not gonna go too much into things because of uh, you know it's gonna be two more seasons before we talk about this. Um, but everything to do with the way Babylon Four is portrayed as being ambiguous, whether it's going to the future and the past, um, is intentional, uh, and it's actually a really nice loophole that that. Uh, that JMS found a way around. So, Michael O'Hare was supposed to stay on as Sinclair due to health reasons he had to leave the show, which I'll be getting into when we end season one. Um, so, uh, the entire story arc for him had to be rewritten. In the original plan, there was a there was an idea that Babylon 4 was going to go forwards in time to the future and uh, that in this in in this it would become a new spin-off show called Babylon Prime that would uh, that would see Sinclair uh, an aged Sinclair and an aged Delin who are who are married uh, and have a child who is because of the time travel has been aged named David who will fulfill the prophecy of uniting the humans in the Membari and uh, and put it into the the endless war uh, between the shadows and the forlorns well some of this gets done it gets significantly changed or reworked in my opinion to a much better degree uh, you know uh, Sheridan and Delin I think have a much better chemistry the actors anyway have much better chemistry than Sinclair and Delin and uh, David no longer becomes a massive important part of the overall plot matter of fact we never see David but David is mentioned several times and uh, in is important to those characters, just not important to the plot anymore. Uh, the uniting of the humans and the Membari is done differently, uh, and Babylon 4 is taken to the past uh, instead of the future and becomes the base of operations in the original Shadow War uh, a thousand years ago, and Sinclair, of course, uses the Triluminary to become Valen. All of this is, I think, a much better way of explaining things. Well, it does cause some continuity issues, as you can tell. It's very, it's almost, it's almost uh, guaranteed based on certain things said and certain things hinted that it's go, it's going forwards in time. Babylon Four is going forwards in time because there are continuity issues with this and War Without End. Uh, the most blatant, of course, is Zathras' explanation of being captured by the Babylon Force crew. Um, in the original here, uh, it was there was just a flash, and he appeared in the conference room. In the actual version that we see in War Without End, he's captured while trying to fix the time stabilizer uh, for Sheridan. 
so it's all sort of a big big mess of continuity and that that's ultimately going to happen every show is going to eventually have some continuity issues even a well thought out well planned one uh like babylon 5 because babylon 5 ultimately stories are living breathing concepts they will change on you characters will change on you so you have to be willing to flow it's like it's like going down a river you have to be willing to go uh, go with the current but also go against the current when you have to so it's him adapting to his uh to to production things and results of actors leaving so he, he does it really well and while there's some minor errors um that it ultimately doesn't really matter because it's still a really good story um but it's very clear that babylon 4 was going to the future in this episode because uh it's it's said by zathras that the one uh stopped uh stopped babylon 4 to uh, to let the crew get off but in war without end it's a malfunction that causes them to jump to the future and it's a causal loop as ivanova says are you telling me that we went went into the future because we always went into the future uh so it's uh, it, it's a it's a hint at that it was going to the future uh, because it, later when he changed it to an accident it works much better uh, in say that it will go to the past um, however there's a lot of continuity stuff that does hint that it goes into the past so it, it, it's intentionally left ambiguous but ultimately you lean towards future on first watching until you see more without end and you then know that it goes to the past uh, Delin gets the Triluminary in this episode, which of course will become important to the Babylon Four arc when we get to it in uh, in season three with War Without End. But also, it's important for two episodes from now. We've already had the mention of Chrysalis. We've seen her be uh, having built the the Chrysalis device uh, in previous episodes, and now she has the Triluminary, which will be used to turn her into a half human, half Membari. So uh, it's exciting to see this all being set up. And uh, that's ultimately the big stuff. The big important stuff in this episode is that it's it's a setup episode, but it's a really damn good setup episode. The problem is is that previous setup episodes like Science Importance work well on their own, uh, while also setting up for the future. I don't think Babylon Squared quite reaches that level of having that good enough a standalone while also setting up. Um, so uh that that was uh that that's ultimately everything i have to say for this episode it is pretty it's a pretty good episode um and i i like everything that's being set up i remember watching it for the first time well it was you know you're questioning and you of course i didn't know at the time that i won't get the answers to these questions for two more seasons it still left me intrigued enough to want to continue checking back in and uh watching more episodes to find out I mean, the old man Sinclair bit at the very end there, it's not exactly shocking. I think I w when I watched it, and I think most people do, uh, when you're watching it, you think the one is Sinclair. Well, ultimately, that ends up being a different, more complicated mess when we get to War Without End involving uh, Sheridan and Delenn swapping suits. Um, it, it is... Uh, it is not Sinclair, but when, but he's wearing the same suit as Sheridan and Delenn. So, uh, when he takes his helmet off, it's not really shocking that we see an older, more grizzled, more world weary Sinclair. It's not. It's not shocking. It's an obvious reveal, but it's an intriguing reveal. There's obvious and there's intriguing. Uh, 
obvious an obvious reveal can be both positive and a negative if it's obvious because you foreshadow it well enough it's good um uh and that in, thus goes into the intriguing category where you want to find out more the uh, a bad obvious is something so obvious that you're treating as a reveal and it's not well developed this is this is a good obvious. It's the obvious that is intriguing enough to make you want to continue checking in. How did he get that scar? How why is he so aged? The the uh, off screen obviously so is is in they seem loving with each other. So uh, are they in a relationship? How is this all going to work out? Um, you know, he said he tried to warn them. What is he warning them about? And of course, the flash forward with the entire Garibaldi sacrificing himself, it leaves you all wanting more. And I think that's the biggest compliment this episode can get is that for all its faults, uh, it ultimately leaves you wanting more, which is why I call it a part one out of three. But you just won't get parts two and three until two seasons from now in, in War Without an End of Season Three because. It is. It's a kind. It's the kind of episode you would see in a multi-parter. It just so happens to have its multi-parts happen several years down the line. So I look forward to discussing the uh, the quality of mercy uh, in the next episode. We it's it's a really fun episode. It deals with some really heavy topics, but also uh, takes some time to have some fun uh, with the Londo and Lanier subplot, uh, and is uh, ultimately. Uh, a, de- a decent to really good episode and then we're going to be getting into chrysalis two weeks from now and ending season one i'm super excited uh we like i said we've reached the hot streak it's gonna get nothing but amazing from here on out uh so see you next week bye <laughs>